Hello everyone and welcome to the Breaking Uneven podcast. We love to talk shop, uncover the beauty of failures and play a few games. Today we have with us the founder of Quital, Jayan Matthews. Um after finishing his MBA, Jayan went straight into the world of insurance at ICICI Prudential and then Apollo Munich and then Vital. He has won the hats of sales, marketing, product development and then finally founder. So have we missed anything from your journey so far, Jayan? We've possibly covered everything. It's been some some time in insurance and uh, and a very short while in the startup space, in good shape. And again, but again, insure tech focus. So yeah, so it's been insurance all through and through. Cool. So let's let's you know let's uh, play a quick little game to understand the startup space that you entered, right? Let's let's get to know Vital. So I'll hand over to John for the Twitter pitch challenge. Yes. So um, cool. we're gonna play the Twitter pitch challenge to get to know a little more about Vital. Um, Twitter is known for its tweety character limit on every tweet. which sometimes makes it difficult to convey your thoughts. Um we've checked that it takes approximately 20 seconds to speak to 80 characters and you want to transfer this challenge to you to explain to us our vital in 20 seconds. We won't make it easy. We want you to also use one emoji and one hashtag. So any questions? Uh no. I'm fine. Okay. Okay, so if you're ready, then I will start the stopwatch. Um, so one, two, three, go. So Vital is a platform that aims to provide a better health cover for both individuals as well as corporates. Make a health plan that's more comprehensive, more interactive, and actually more active for the end user who's using the plan. The hashtag is better health cover, and the emoji is just uh, a happy, healthy individual. <laughs> Perfect. You did go a little over twenty seconds, but that that's a good um, description of what Vital is, and covers like the entire essence of um, what you do. So, yeah, it it gives us something that we can delve further into. Cool. Thank you, Jamie. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's start off simple, right? Uh, the job that you had before you went into Vital, as as I understand, that was at Apollo Munich, right? Yeah, that was Apollo Munich. Yes, there was a certain point at your job with them when you had this idea, right? And there was a point when you're like, okay, this idea is it. I want to build it. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put in my notice. What was that point, and what was the idea? What is first ever idea of Vital that you had? Yeah. So uh, see, we we were dealing with a problem, which I sitting on the insurance side was trying to solve for the longest amount of time, and uh, the problem was the fact that uh, this was a product that everybody should have. This was a product that is insurance. I'm talking health insurance. I'm talking about in particular. Um, This is a product that everybody should have had, but and everybody wanted to have, but for some reason, not many people had it. Okay, and we cracked our brains. We went through all different iterations of trying to innovate the product. There was a 
there was this whole uh, aspect of let's make it as cheap as possible let's do all those things but it really didn't work now one insight that came out of the product and we realized that when we were talking to people was that look it's a great product but i just don't need it right now but i need it when i need it and right now it's not doing anything for me so what do i do with the product like this so it's a very crazy thing that you know everybody has realized the awareness of why they need it but they don't see anything happening right now and that's what drives them to not taking it right so now we at the insurance side we actually solve the problem we realize okay so you got to provide benefits and services that people can use when they are not seriously ill okay but the challenge over there was those benefits and services were always these ancillary products or these value adds that you give a member it never was the focus so then you needed to create a product that said uh, look i'll take care of your serious medical conditions but i'll also take care of you when you relatively do not require a hospitalization but maybe primary care or i'll take care of you not only when you require primary care or you may not even require primary care that you just basically want to stay healthy and you need a product that works for you there so what if i give you a product that covers you for this entire age but i make it in such a way that each and every aspect of this product is vital and integral to the to the entire offering and each of these benefits and services that i'm giving you will sustain itself it's not an ancillary value add you're paying for each of these services and each of these benefits and services are equally important and finally at the end of the day what do i do in terms of a delivery mechanism to enable you to take this or use these benefits in a in a very seamless way right now there were certain regulations that were there on the insurance side that prevented you from actually making any money out of wellness at that point of time it there were regulations on the insurance side that uh, uh, that uh, didn't allow you to do certain things in terms of the primary healthcare space uh, unless in uh, in the way you wanted to scale up and all that and also so this aspect of these value added services always became a value added service of course regulations have changed in time but at that time it was a very strict that okay insurance means insurance premiums and that's all that you get so the innovation that was possible the delivery mechanisms that were possible and all that were outside the insurance industry and that's what got us thinking on vital i met rahul who was my co-founder who was basically the co- who was my partner at vital and even he was on the he was walking on the same path of figuring out how do i make healthcare more accessible and how do i make a product more accessible he actually came down to apollo munich as we were working together on a product on those lines and i realized that you know there's more to do outside the insurance side at that point of time and that's where you know both of us got together and said okay let's conceive this product called vital of course there have been many pivots changes product changes in three years you know what happens in a this thing and being a startup there were i mean there were faster pivots and all that that we managed to do and that's what worked for vital and that's what's keeping us on all this time there yeah i think it's 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 not easy to digitally disrupt an industry in a country like india right there's a lot of education to the customer <clears throat> which is obviously the big, the biggest hoop because if you look at purely from a pricing perspective <clears throat> and a model perspective right the product is better hmm. there's no denying it hmm. but it's still a digital disruptor which is kind of difficult to convey to the indian consumer but hmm. i think your ma- marketing background which also shows itself in vital in terms of you know the the quirky language the high focus on design and everything um it's obviously changing the way insurance companies are received by customers right it's not the traditional 
like 20 page document that you get from Bajaj Alliance or Tata and then you have to go through it or whatever, right? It's, it's a lot more engaging, a lot nicer. But, you know, to a certain extent, it's also how do you, how do you stay on top of a digital insurance system um, as a non-technical founder in terms of, you know, the, the tech side of it? Yeah, so that's where, you know, a couple of synergies that work with, uh, uh, with with Rahul also on this because he's coming from a tech background and he's also coming from a product uh, dev background when it comes from the, from the startup space. So that was a huge help. Uh, the focus was exactly like you said, Anoj, you know, you rightly put, you know, the challenge was, um, look, uh, insurance is not a very simple product. It's a complicated product. Let's be honest about that. Okay, uh, but the way you communicate is also very important, right? Of course, there will be a 17-page, you know, policy document that will lie because it is an insurance contract, after all. But there is also a way, of, a way of making it friendly and, you know, more easier for a customer to understand what he is getting, right? That legal document is great to be there, but there has to be ways and means in which we wanted to simplify this and ensure that a customer understands what he is getting. And that's why the, our focus was entirely on simplifying that aspect. The first aspect actually was to make insurance not that scary big uh, you know animal that is that you have to be worried about but look at it as that friend that is going to really help you and make that language in that manner and uh, yes so the first thing actually we did was simplify the language say that okay these are the benefits that you have um, we uh, for the lack of a better term you know also you know didn't want to get into that see most of the time the challenge that that, that insurance companies face is you know that they would they want to ensure that, you know, that they've covered every, all the bases, right? And it's a contract and all that. Now, what happens in that is sometimes you forget that the end user who's reading that contract is just looking to see what he's getting out of it and it's in a simplified manner. And we focused on that. The, the nature of our product also was very different. You know, we wanted to, we actually created, a, uh, the initial product that we actually created was a low-cost cover which enabled you to get an adequate coverage without compromising on the benefits and services. But we used some very interesting things that were there in insurance like deductibles and all that, which uh, low deductibles and all that, which people were not playing with at that point of time. And we wanted to create that in a way, we, you know, we wanted to solve one, one of the problems, out of the many problems that we were trying to solve together, one of the problems that we wanted to solve was that the problem of people taking health insurance also were taking health insurance with a very low cover amount rather than taking an adequate cover amount. So we introduced a small concept of a small deductible right that you know we said okay instead of uh, you know you taking the cover from rupee one take the cover from rupee thirty five thousand or rupee fifty thousand and by just doing that much i could now make a product that was a uh, cover amount that was uh, that was around 20 lakhs affordable at a price range that was less than a five lakh cover by just doing a small deductible like that right that kind of and a person was and the insight that we knew that Customers do not buy health insurance for 10,000 or 20,000 or 30,000 rupees. They they look, they are worried about that 1 lakh expense or the 2 lakh expense that happens at the hospital. And we wanted to solve that. Now, everybody said conveying this deductible is going to be a very complicated affair. Don't do it. Right? It's a very complicated thing to tell a customer that the first 35,000 is not going to be payable and only after that cover is going to come in. So we really racked our brains into you know trying to understand how do we communicate this in that app or in that app flow of this when he's buying the product that he understands what he's doing and he's getting this 35,000 and what's happening over there and make it clear because that's the most important thing. For whatever it was worth, right, 70% of the customers who came to our platform to buy the product, who brought the product from us, ended up buying the 35,000 deductible. 
so that communication was very key and it worked and you know that's what really worked and people have started adopting that but people but the idea is you know the challenge that happened to the product was till now we in insurance we always used to think the product is benefits the product is the benefits that are there in the product you know and you just make the benefits right and that's all that goes into the product what i realized coming on this side was the product is not just the benefits it's also how you communicate the benefits that are equally important and that kind of you know really opened up the you know the thought process that look the design part of this element is really important and uh, so we were a young team at the end of we were a small team at the end of the day rahul had his expertise and then we had a very uh, you know very young uh, design team also but they really thought their way through this whole navigated their way through this to communicate this in a seamless manner and that really worked and even now the focus is on design i'm saying every day we are learning and if you tell me today do you have a brand team in fact somebody just asked me a couple of moments back you know uh, what what is your uh, you know uh, what is your brand stand for or you know uh, uh, actually somebody was interviewing uh, who was basically take, i was taking an interview with someone and he kept asking me asking what's the culture what's the brand stand for and i said we're discovering every day right so it's still learn if you're learning each and every day how to what to change and how to change but the good thing is we can do that and that's the flexibility that we have as a young thing and it's always customer focused and that's that's what we are still keeping on doing we're still learning our way through i wouldn't say that we've perfected anything yet so that's a long way to go yeah um one thing that you mentioned about like brand and people asking what your brand is i think nowadays um every company needs to like stand for something and develop that brand identity because i feel like a lot of people connect with that rather than just the product like it adds value to the whole company as a whole so yeah that like seeing that your interviewees are asking you questions like that like is interesting to see hmm. um but like i have seen like as you've spoken this entire time and like things that i've seen i feel like on the consumer side you've definitely nailed it down you've seen you are providing like high value to them but like just like a little curious on your end like generally we take insurance in the sense of um we want people to have like the lowest amount of claims for like those one off events or one off high uh claim values but the way that you've structured your product it's also including like the everyday um essentials or like the wellness aspect of it so that doesn't i guess fit in the traditional aspects of insurance so how are you navigating that in terms of a business point of view and like mm-hmm. sustaining a business out of it when it i wouldn't say contradicts but when it's not exactly what the insurance industry was before yeah so uh, it's it's exactly what the insurance industry should be you know uh, because uh, you know when a person is buying a health cover today right he is not only looking at one aspect of his health he expects that insurance company to take care of all aspects of his health care needs today um now uh, that's been the basic the premise that everybody keeps asking for it's not that uh, you know when uh, you know if you go to the any insurance company today also and you know in and you know, various surveys that we've done always right we used to keep getting the feedback from customers saying i want opd cover or outpatient cover i want cover which you know for my daily medical needs and we used to keep asking them okay you want opd cover and uh, the racking the, the idea was that okay he wants opd cover but the, because of the nature of the opd market in india is not something that you can price accurately because everything is yeah. you know varied and people can making a bill is not a big deal and you know all those aspects and 
how do I make a network out of this and all that. That was a challenge that we were all looking at. But what we did, I mean, when you when when that that OPT cover came into play, but and then we asked them, okay, what if I price it with this high utilization rate and the pricing goes really high? No, I'm not willing to pay for that. I, you know, give me an OPT cover. The challenge was that we were from the insurance side, we always looked at controls. Like, how do I control the outgo of this, and how do I control the risk? What actually what we wanted was just access to that outcover, our PD cover. So the way we structured this plan was yes, the big risk part where the insurance plays a role. The big risk part is where the hospitalization piece comes into play. The other piece is all access, allowing access to consultation to the doctor. Okay, allowing access to the diagnostic test that he should do regularly just to monitor himself, allowing him access to those things. And the way we kind of work with partners, and so we don't, we don't. So when we try to provide the service, what we realized another thing was that I am not going to be an expert at everything. I, if I try to become a teleconsultation company plus a diagnostic company plus a, uh, well, uh, you know, a, uh, you know, a pharmacy, a pharmacy delivery company, and all that, I won't be the best. So we work with the best of these partners, right? Whether it's a diagnostic, whether it is a teleconsultation service. So we work with Mpine for teleconsultation. We work with uh, the diagnostics like Redcliffe and uh, and Healthians. We work with Healthians, which is a very good diagnostic chain, uh, online diagnostic chain. We work with uh, we work with Tata One MG. We work with uh, a company called Better Life that's great in nutrition counseling. We work with Cult Cultfit, and we work with Bet- uh, uh, sorry, we work with Bitterfly, which is good in nutrition counseling, and Better Life, which is good in mental health counseling. We worked with them and created these modules and packages that kind of fit as per a customer's needs. And we packaged this into one comprehensive solution together. So that's how we structured it. Each of these packages, the way we've priced it, the way we've taken these benefits from these partners, it makes a, it a win-win not only for us, for the customer, as well as for the partner. So it's a self-sustaining model. It's not a bleeding model that we created. So it's like a win-win for all these people. And... The way we source our customers also kind of changed over the year. Last so last year, like you know, uh, we pivoted into from a B two C brand to a B two B two C brand, and we focused on one segment, which was the SME segment. That this was a highly underpenetrated segment in India, a small, a growing segment, very underpenetrated. The largest workforce in India today works in an SME segment, and they didn't have solutions. So we create these platforms and offer these benefits to these SMEs to give to their employees. So the whole math of this really worked out, and it worked out really well. Okay, yeah, yeah. I guess like the entire like journey so far it seems so interesting, and you mentioned that like multiple like pivots throughout the process. What has been like the most unexpected thing for you? Look, uh, the most unexpected thing, honestly, was this pivot that we did from a directly becoming a B two C brand, from a B two C brand to a B two B brand. I mean, this was a huge yeah, change. Okay, it was a it was a jump like no other. But again, you know, what I again realized was, you know, everything that happens, all these changes that happen, it's not like a you know a switch on and switch off. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. It's step by step. We just chanced upon the uh, you know, on a product type, and we chanced upon a uh, you know uh, on the, on on one of the corporates asking us for their employees when we are talking about. We were doing B2C and then this corporate talked about it and they wanted something. And then we suddenly realized that this is where the market is. And nobody's really given them the solution for this and this is what they're searching for. And that kind of got the wheels thing, uh, you know, got the, uh, the 
the head really thinking, the old shaft just still cranking on that, and that's how we just then suddenly we realized this math work, the pivot work, uh, the I mean the idea worked. The, it was a it was a market that's underpenetrated. Sourcing was easier. CACs were low. A lot of logical things worked out, and then we had to create that solution for it. So that was a huge pivot for us. But that was one of the most interesting ones. I think that's a good one that we did. We should have done it much earlier. It's just that things happen the way it happens. So, so <clears throat> currently, right, you have this kind of let's say reward system that mm-hmm. that rewards. It's it's a referral program, right? You refer your friends and family or whatever, or other corporates, and you get certain rewards. But there's this, you know, when you talk about um, let's let's say not digital disruption, but technology disruption in the insurance world. You know, there are these models that have come up around the world where, for example, with car insurance, your phone now tracks the way that you're driving in terms of you know how hard you brake, how hard you accelerate, etc. And your and your driver score either improves or becomes worse, becomes worse, which off the back of which your insurance premiums change. Mm-hmm. People have done it in the health space as well, right? That they because now through the use of electronic medical records, your Fitbit, Apple Watches, and all your other fitness trackers can output data in the same way. So now all your insurance companies can see how healthy a lifestyle you're staying, and then they can like accordingly change your premiums. Is that a is that a space that you've explored or you know vital yeah. could explore in the future? There are two parts to this answer. Like you know the challenge is actually this is uh, this also you know scares out a lot of customers and this it's the way you look at it and the way you read it, right? So if I'm taking insurance today, right? If I'm taking insurance or health insurance policy today, I'm completely healthy and everything is right with me, right? I'm taking it today. Now ten years down the line, maybe Maybe it's my lifestyle. Maybe it may not be lifestyle for all you know. Right? Maybe a condition I develop. So for maybe you know it could be uh, someone developing cancer after ten years, right? Now when he develops cancer, now his health condition is worse or not, right? But the point is, at this point of time, are you going to penalize this guy when he needs to cover the most by telling him that look now your health condition is bad and now I'm going to you know penalize you. you know? So that's what the fear when this this whole health data came and the misconception. The misconception that people suddenly started having, and you know, the, also the way that some, sometimes some people take it is, you know, health data is supposed to tell me what this guy's condition is. If the guy's condition keeps worsening. Let's not, let's you know, try to penalize him, right? That's not what insurance is supposed to be. Health insurance is a long-term product. Although you buy it for yearly on a yearly basis, but you're buying it not for a short term. You're buying it for the rest of your life, right? You're buying it for that time of your life where you need it. When you go to that particular hospital, right? So that, so yes, health information is very important, and a, and an insurance company should have it. And you know, actually, the biggest black box today insurance companies have is they uh, they have a, the information of the customer when the customer is onboarding, and the only other time they get the information on the health of the customers when the customers finally made a claim. The whole journey in the middle is like a I don't know what happened. You know what happened to this guy? Now, the idea behind getting information. Right, this information on whether it's devices and medical devices, and you know this entire thing on Fitbits, of course, is there. There are face scanners that are there. There are these remote monitoring that is happening. Your regular diagnostics that are building, and and the government is doing an awesome job. It's just baby steps right now with NDHM that's coming in, where they're recording these medical values and having one common de- repository to kind of kind of kind of chart out a journey, right? So this charting out a journey. Yes, a person who's keeping healthy should be rewarded. 
right? But a person who's going unhealthy should actually have benefits and services that he's getting offered on a regular basis or interventions at the right time to ensure that the guy doesn't reach a stage where he's making a critical illness claim. You have to look at data in that manner. The idea of repricing is great, but the idea of repricing, the way you want to reprice is what you have to understand. See, uh, out of 100 customers who take insurance today, right, 5% of them will have major conditions or chronic conditions. 15% of them will be super healthy. You know, those rare breeds who are completely fine and dandy, right? You have the remaining large population that is around 75 to 80% of people who technically are the guys who right now may be at a risk of developing a condition based on their lifestyle, based on what they're doing currently with their health and how their health is going to progress over the years, right? This population is the one that you want to control. This is the population that you want to not control in a sense, uh, manage or this thing but manage their health condition and allow interventions at the right time so that these guys are the ones who don't come into that 5% after 10 years and that's where data is going to get used that's where this whole repository is going to get used actively otherwise the other side of the business if, if somebody is looking at looking at this data is saying that I'm going to penalize a customer once he falls into a condition or I price a person like that that is wouldn't be the right approach for a from a why an from an insurance perspective and this is where, you know, uh, so this is not a new concept. This has been there for years. But I believe right now with the kind of tech that we have, the kind of integrations that we have, the company, the, the industry is at a more, much better position to do this in an effective way as compared to earlier. Where, you know, the, the kind of resources that we had were not available. And this is where I see the future of how tech is going to get used in health insurance as compared to, you know, any other things. Motor, I understand what you're telling me, you know, that the device is present in, it tells you how far, when you're using it, you pay for it and it, yeah. and it also measures how, because there you're controlling behavior. Here the challenge is health is really unpredictable. You never know how it's going to go in that sense. Yeah, no, that's, that's very true. I think you know, I'm not so well versed with the field of insurance. I'll, I'll let John V attest to that because the background is, is in that space as well. Nice. Yeah, no, um, I mean, yeah, it's interesting, like you said, that certain things are controllable and you don't want to penalize someone for just like for things that are out of their control, especially like chronic diseases that like you have no idea that's also developing. That could so, be hereditary. You know, I, that could yeah, be exactly. So, yeah, so there can be like so many other like complications that come with it. But yeah, I think like even in terms of like data, I feel like now there's so many opportunities in order to do it. But it like it obviously depends on the consumer itself. Like some people, even if they have like an Apple Watch, might not be comfortable sharing their data. So it's like going around all of the like issues as well. You know, I you, you rightly said you know people are not comfortable in sharing health data or their health data because they look at the trust factor comes into the picture. What is this data going to be used for? So it's it's a highly imperative for this industry, for anybody who's working in this industry to make sure that, you know, their mindset and their alignment of thought is not towards, you know, using this data to help the person rather than using this data to, okay, I've caught you and now you're a criminal and I'm going to punish you for this. So that, that, that is a huge thing. The earlier health insurance was a big awareness. There was a big effort to say that, okay, how do I make aware uh, increase the awareness of health insurance that was one challenge of the industry after that awareness came into the fact that okay how do i make sure that you know these guys trust that i'll pay claims 
Now, actually, the biggest challenge that this industry has today is convincing people that look, share my share your data because I'm going to help you stay healthy because it's in the best interest for you and me both. And this is the next big challenge that you, in terms of communication, not that we solve the first two yet, but this is the next big challenge that this industry has. Yeah, there's also a sense of vulnerability, right? Like just sharing health data is like something that's really personal and private. And then like giving that to like a corporation or like a company that like, I guess, minimizes the entire thing to just like data points. Like I think that sometimes can be like counterintuitive or like not as comfortable as people think. I don't know. Like I feel like coming from like when you just look at it as like a data point of view, you like you question why people wouldn't just hand it to you but at the same point when you do, like talk about it on a personal level it is like a very vulnerable information that you are willing to like share I agree. with people i agree but if you look at it from an outside i'm not talking about insurance now but if you look at it from yeah. another perspective you know uh, whether we like it or not our lives have got a very i mean i'm not saying our lives have become very easy but our lives have become uh, i'd say a lot of benefits and services that we take for granted today is because of us sharing data. I mean, there are a lot of aspects of our life that have become much more simpler and, you know, uh, efficient for us because of us sharing data. But you're right, but I'm completely in line with, you know, what you're saying. If I'm sharing data and I'm used, and I'm becoming the, and I'm becoming the product, I have a, I mean, there's a problem, right? But if I'm sharing data to make my life easier, it's, it's how you look at it. You know, you remember this old saying that, I mean, the current saying, you know, however it is that, you know, if you are not, if you're getting something for free and, you know, you're sharing your data for that, you're not, it's not coming free to you and you are the product that's getting sold. That's wrong. That, I mean, that's where the misuse happens. But if you sharing data allows to improve your life and make your life better, I mean, it's, it's you know, where you don't become the product, you become the person who's utilizing the, the benefits of having that data, that data is your currency your currency not somebody else so that's where I think, but yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a very like i said you know it's a it's that it's a, it's a very thin line to uh, you know it's a, it's a tight rope walk right where you are not using so the data is not being shared in such a way that you that the yeah, somebody else is monetizing on your data without your permission but it's definitely if you i can make your life simpler i can make your uh, the cost of healthcare much more accessible for you the benefits of healthcare accessible for you I'm willing to I'm willing to share that as my current data as my currency if I can get that back. Yeah. yeah, I think it all like I guess goes down to like communication, like the way you present that to like the customers or the consumers or people that you're retrieving the data from, like to show or or actually even being like transparent about the whole process. I think that gives comfort to like a lot of people when you say that this is how we are gonna use your data that goes and like helps us in this way then I think like people become more like trustworthy with like the process rather than just like provide. And this is again, like not necessarily just health and insurance, but like overall, I feel like a lot of people, like the way that we've been told of like these tech companies that are misusing data or collecting your data without like letting you know, like that's where it, I guess, starts from where you're like, okay, like, is it okay? Like, what is my data being used for? Like, do I want them to know what's going on or how many times I'm walking out? Exactly. It, it, it goes from like that. I know what uh, what digital gave us right was this ability to become transparent. The problem is that 
that uh, you know the problem is that we are not transparent the moment we don't we remove the transparency out of the bucket right and don't tell you clearly what your data is using your is getting used for i think that that's that's the key to communication it's a simple theoretically it's very simple to understand you know that i'm going to tell you no know, i'm going to take your data and i'm going to tell you what i'm going to do with it it's such a simple solution right but it just people just i mean you're not you're not it's it's just too hard it's just coming to the practical part of getting that down to that paper and getting it in the in front of the person is a difficult part but honestly it's just that that please take my data but tell me what you're going to do with it and i want to know exactly what you're going to do with it and keep it and communicate that in a very simplified manner i think most of the time sometimes i i'm not saying that you know all the 100% of the people who are you know collecting my data are you know um, you know are using it correctly but i'm sure there are this 30% of people you know who are taking my data but they really want to use it well but the way to explain that or to communicate that is not easy so it's too hard to put in efforts and resources into communicating so i won't communicate and then that's where the whole these walls get created and the trust goes down the drain and that's actually a bigger cost than you realize so you know on this thought i think we we um spoken a lot about people right and and let's say a lot about data which is a nice foray into our next segment which is called the dream team so so now imagine that you have to fill up the top 3 positions at vital mm. right so you have to first choose what your top 3 positions are and then i'll show you a list of eight global founder ceos and executives and you have to choose three of these to fill those positions now given our given our uh, conversation before this do note that a lot of these are heavy heavy data collectors and not the most transparent so so you might want to keep that in mind when okay so uh, in terms of uh, three positions that for me would be uh, very key would be one would definitely be a person who's uh, who knows how to utilize data right who creates mm-hmm. who knows how to utilize data and my the uh, the data scientist or somebody if the person who knows what to do right with all the information that i'm collecting that would be the one key person um, that would be the second the second position definitely would be someone who finally um, who who has a you know who has an understanding of from a product design perspective the product and benefits design perspective and you know uh, so what how to understand what the users asking for and what the users getting and the third position would definitely be someone who knows how to distribute this because unless this third person is there the everything else just is uh, great to have but it's not going to be so the distribution is the key uh, person out here you have three positions that kind of would uh, be for in fact in any order but all these three are equally important you said 1 2 3 but i'm not assuming that it's not in priority that's fine it's equally important that's of course yeah, of course yeah, yeah. so so now let's you know which who out of these eight would you pick and you know there's designations are, are are given below who who they are in case you don't know but who would you pick to fill these three yeah, positions yeah, yeah so uh, one clear uh, uh person uh, indra nui would come into head of sales and distribution jancom would come into product design and uh an uh, an alary page would come into the data scientist perspective so that's your team not yep. bad um what two heavy data collectors um well technically pepsico as well um 
PepsiCo. But yeah, I think the positions that you've chosen, the people picked are quite. Um, you know, I'll I'll give you why I think right. So, chief data scientist Larry Page. That's sort of self-explanatory. Um, then there's Jan Coom. I think he, the benefit of you know someone like him for for head of product and design is he knows how to keep things simple. Exactly. Right? And there is the entire you know WhatsApps. What WhatsApp did three years ago with you know having that encryption message and talking about privacy. Even today, their biggest marketing campaigns are about privacy. So I think right. you know that transparency and everything. He would help you achieve that goal. And yeah, I guess sales and distribution no better than one of the largest, you know, head of largest companies around the world. Well, At least well, yeah. Well. Fair yeah. But cool. So we let's let's move on to our next segment. I'll hand over to Janvi for the rapid fire. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the rapid fire. It's pretty self-explanatory. I'll um, ask you a question, and then you can give us a quick answer. Um, so the first question is: How many all-nighters did you pull in your first year of Vital? I didn't. I mean, we, wow, worked, okay. we worked. We worked. We worked all days. We worked seven days a week, but uh, I, 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 I never left my. I'm too old to pull an all-nighter, yeah. So there's no way I'm gonna pull an all-nighter. <laughs> but I guess in like true vital spirit, like you think about your wellness as well. It's a good yeah, life. Obviously, uh, work balance. Obviously. Yeah. I, I I don't see uh, yeah, you sleep is the most important nutrient that your body can get, yeah. Yes, definitely. Um did you ever question whether it was worth it? Every every two days. <laughs> you never know. I don't know. I mean, mom, I last three years. You get up every morning, and at some mornings you're like, okay, I'm going to beat the world, and this is awesome. The other mornings you get up and said, what on earth are you? Who on earth are you? And what are you doing? So, <laughs> so it's like a daily uh, battle, uh, and you really, you, you really thank your support systems that are there. You thank the fact that uh, God puts a family like that. That you have that you can do things with, um, so you really need those things. I mean, you really need those support systems. So yeah. Um, emotion when you first fired someone. Oh man, that's a sinking feeling. I mean, it's the one. It's it's the worst. Uh, it's one of the. Uh, it's one of the most uh, uh, difficult things to do in life. I mean, honestly, uh, and the cuts that we had to do. See, there's some you. Some, okay, firing people in case of non-performance is one, but uh, we also, in a startup, you also take calls of firing people when you, you know, when resources are short, and those are the most difficult conversations that you can possibly have, where it's not the person's fault, honestly, it's your fault, and that is the difficult part. That's tough. That's really tough. Um. Okay. What is the craziest story you had while building the business? Uh, crazy when you define crazy, um, it's like uh, I don't know. There are so many survival points, tipping points. Like every day is like a tipping off point. Like you know whether you're gonna fall down a raven, uh, you know a big big hole, or you're gonna you know fly. So I don't know a single. I can't think of any single crazy point that came in. But I mean there are quite quite a few of them. Oh, I mean. uh, oh, this place you've walked from. Oh yeah, so that could be okay. 
no working on on the go is all okay i mean you know you are walking in a in, in the metro or you working in a you know in, in the middle of a, a bus ride between the airport uh, gate and the flight right that's fine but i think uh, yeah it could be honestly it was i think concept in a in a random street corner i mean <laughs> so in a random street corner i had to open the laptop and send out with some mails immediately and it was like standing in the middle of nowhere and uh, people walking around and they are sitting on the ground on a, on a footpath and just trying to figure out something quickly so that was something i think that would be one of it yeah um which hobby of yours did your work kill um binge watching i think that's a good thing it just went <laughs> this one killed it that Yeah, that's not a bad hobby to curse. So it's fine. It's, it was the worst, I think. Thankfully, <laughs> I, mean, uh, I think the last uh, series that I ever watched uh, was the GOT, and I think that's it. I don't think. Okay. Good. Uh, books. Note. Hmm. Uh, books or podcasts? Yeah. So uh, right now, I'd say podcasts. Uh, when I say podcasts. I'm actually uh, all my books have got converted into uh, I've got into uh, this thing Audible. So yeah. <laughs> all my last few books, except for one which is never ending, which is a hard hard book, is Sapiens, which is going on for the last few months. And I know, and but Audible is the one that made me go through around six or seven books in the last uh, a month and a half. So Audible. So if it's podcast. While like listening to Audible, do you have like the book with you, or do you just like listen to it while doing other things? No, so uh, uh, Audible is when I'm traveling or anything. Uh, that's what I'm listening to always. So uh, I I can't I can't do two three things together. I won't do two three things together. But Audible is when I'm listening. That's it. I'm listening to the book. That's it. Otherwise, nothing else. Uh, are you a morning person or a night person? Morning, morning person. <laughs> and what's your favorite social media right now honestly it's i think the safest one which is instagram because i cannot stand anything else i i had uh, i was addicted to twitter for a long amount of time just depressing facebook i lost a long time back thankfully um reddit and all that i'm still getting through and the only reason i'm on reddit or any of the other new ones is because i just want to keep up when my son hits 13 and he starts looking at those channels i just want to be okay i know they're <laughs> okay That's it. Fair enough, but yeah, that concludes our rapid fire and brings us to like the end. But um, before we let you go, we generally ask our guests to ask our next guest a question. So our previous guest asked, "What's the authentic thing that motivates you?" Honestly, the most authentic thing that motivates me is you know, so uh, is get keeping getting or creating something better. For my kid to use when he grows up, so that's it. I think that's that, it. That... Yeah, I mean, just to make this, uh, it's like this, right? Uh, God gives you certain opportunities and talents in life, and uh, it's like He's put it there because He wants you to do something better for the person who's coming after you, the generation that's coming after you. So that's it. Honestly, for me, I think it's that, I and mean, I just want to leave this. Place a better place for my kid. That's a beautiful yeah. answer. Beautiful yes. answer. Yes, very wholesome. I have one last question for you. Yeah. 
your personal health health insurance is covered by Vital itself, or obviously, <laughs> obviously I'm over with Vital. I'm trying everything. So I'm over insurance. <laughs> well, well, thank you so much, Jayan, for coming on this call. You know, we had an absolute blast. Um, learned a lot. You know, great conversation. So much learning, and you know, thank you for taking the time out, choosing to be a part of it. It was absolutely lovely having you on board. Thanks, Anush. Yes, thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Janvi. Thank you. Thank you.